here's how I think we need to discuss the metaverse. We don't discuss it because Zucks asked me not to discuss it. Yeah. No, that's okay. I don't care what yeah. he says. Yeah. Here's how I think we need to discuss the metaverse. It's not like going to Mars. Okay. We're not planning for a fucking trip, Eric. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's not yeah. like, well, we need to take provisions, make sure we've got, you know, the right kind of gear. We're putting a headset on and we're venturing into a virtual space. Now, that being said, same needs that we have in this world. Yeah, I think the metaverse will serve as a substitute for certain needs, like friendship. I would love to be friends with an elephant-headed baboon avatar in some weird world created in the mind of Mark Zuckerberg. That's what I would like. Mm. And so that need is fulfilling a need that I'm not getting in the real world. And I'm not talking about friendship. I'm talking about elephant-headed baboons. They'd be an abomination in this world, but in that world, it's art. Mm. And I want to be friends with art. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's how we need to discuss the metaverse. Anything outside of that is just being ridiculous. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, I do. Okay. I get it now. Okay, good. So I was in the bathroom earlier. Ooh, this is good. Good way to start <laughs> yeah, off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we already How was it? it? It's good. No, it's great. And it made me think, because I've seen this a lot. I haven't seen it. You witness it. You you don't hear something. And the, the don't hear is the person not washing their hands. What about smell? I'm not thinking about that. I'm just going with the washing of the hands. Okay. What is the percentage of people that do not wash their hands after they use a bathroom? Like, remember covid we stopped shaking hands because we thought that was going to spread the disease. Yeah, at first. So like, people aren't washing their hands. It's kind of nasty when you think about it. Like, that's just a lot humans, of people. Yeah. Yeah. Humans are disgusting. It's just, <laughs> so let's be nasty. really clear. Yeah. Humans are gross. Yeah. It's just a fact. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where to go with that. I just wanted to share that. Well, clearly you're traumatized by it. Let's unpack it a little bit. Yeah. You were in the bathroom. Clearly you were somewhere hidden, so I assume you were taking a dump. <laughs> okay. So thank you for telling everybody. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, two and two. Sure. Wow. Yeah. But you listened. Yeah. You heard nothing. No washing of the hands. Yeah. I mean, maybe they used some hand sanitizer, but no, they didn't because they grabbed a paper towel and just wiped their paper towel. And it's got to wipe the pee off, I yeah, guess. I guess. You know. Yeah. I don't think he got a lot out either. <laughs> You see, you're really hyper aware of your surroundings. I admire that. I yeah. think that's a really good skill to have. <laughs> yeah. In the bathroom, eh, I don't know. I don't know if that's such a good skill to have. It's not. A, it's not the best. Yeah. What is the average? Keep talking. What is the? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> here we go. This is good. <laughs> this is good. So let's not pretend like we're not recording this on video. Yeah. So let's look over here and acknowledge this is on video. So and it's really great. Yeah. And I'm really glad we're doing this. 69% of men don't wash their hands after Who using the bathroom. Who did the survey? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many oh. every survey. It's so hot in here. I know. I'm turning this down. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, every link has a different oh, statistic. They just blocked you. What the hell? Whoa. Yeah. What is this? Yeah, I can't go below 70? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I've gotten it below 70. Wow. Many Americans don't wash their hands after go to the bathroom. That's it. 58% well, said they always do, 25 sometime. It's like the numbers are different no matter where you look. 
statistics do not matter. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect statistic for this show. Yeah. It's good. Doesn't matter. Yeah. We're going to go with 69% of people do not wash their hands after he's in the bathroom. I think that sounds about right. Should we be shaking hands or just... Why not? You can drink urine, not your own, but somebody else's. Why? It's perfectly filtered. Not your own though, you can't? Yeah, you can't drink your own. Why? I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, probably because it's like your body just got rid of all that stuff. I don't know. Just probably somebody... I have no fucking idea. (laughs) No idea whatsoever. I'm just pulling out random, like, I heard this, I heard that, Uh, trying to piece it together. Nope, it's just pure nonsense. But let's go with it. (laughs) Yeah. And say that... If we were in a situation and you were severely dehydrated mm. and I just happened to have a half to a full bladder of urine, I would provide that for you so that you could live. So that would do the job. It would do the job. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I think you can drink your own urine. Now, how the guy from, uh, what was it, the story about the guy that went rock climbing, bouldering, okay. got stuck, had to saw his own arm off. He was ah, drinking geez. his own piss. Okay. This is such a good show. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, imagine like if you're stuck in the woods somewhere and no one's coming to get you. Yeah. And you have no food or drink. Right. Mm. You can always recycle. Okay. Probably better to find a river. It's probably better to find another person and use their urine. Okay. Oh yeah. A river for sure. Yeah. But if you can't find a river. Yeah. But be careful of alligators. Crocodiles. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a regional distinction. Yeah. So it depends where we are. So where are we? Yeah. We could be in the metaverse. So that Well, in that case, you could definitely have crocodiles. You should probably create your own. You could yes. create your own something. Well, if you're in the metaverse, liquids don't matter. They don't matter. Digital urine. Yeah. Patent that. Hold yeah. on. Let's write that down. <laughs> Digital urine. <laughs> copyright. Saviors of the metaverse. Yeah. Does it matter? And I think it does matter. Like, are we going to have the same needs that we have in the physical world that we will need in the metaverse, in the digital world, okay. the virtual world? Let's I'm get sorry. something real straight here. Yeah. Let's get something real clear. You don't know. True. <laughs> Good point. Here's how I think we need to discuss the metaverse. We don't discuss it because Zucks asked me not to discuss it. Yeah. No, that's okay. I don't care what yeah. he says. Yeah. Here's how I think we need to discuss the metaverse. It's not like going to Mars. Okay. We're not planning for a fucking trip, Eric. Okay. All right. It's not like, well, we need to take provisions, make sure we've got, you know, the right kind of gear. We're putting a headset on and we're venturing into a virtual space. Now, that being said, same needs that we have in this world. Yeah. I think the metaverse will serve as a substitute for certain needs like friendship. I would love to be friends with an elephant headed baboon avatar in some weird world created in the mind of Mark Zuckerberg. That's what I would like. Mm. And so that need is fulfilling a need that I'm not getting in the real world. And I'm not talking about friendship. I'm talking about elephant-headed baboons. They'd be an abomination in this world, but in that world, it's art. Mm. And I want to be friends with art. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. That's how we need to discuss the metaverse. Anything outside of that is just being ridiculous. You understand? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. I get it now. Okay, good. What I don't like about right now is I can't see your lips moving with these pop filters. I'm about to just move this pop filter yeah, out of the way. Right? Like, what do you think about that? Well, I'm just going to talk back here. We could just put it down like a little bit. We could. I don't know. Although I just, yeah, sorry, I'm going to move it out of the way. I'm moving yeah. all the way out. Yeah. It's like taking your oxygen tank off if you're flying like a fighter jet. Yeah. When I've flown fighter jets, that's... <laughs> yeah. Same thing? Yeah. Same, same thing. thing. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see if this goes in front here. 
That does seem to make a difference in the sound. Oh, you feel the difference in your headset. Well, you know, the thing is, is this chair. I can't get this chair to move up. Ah, man. Yeah, so we're in a different studio room today. These are some cheap chairs. Yeah, yeah, they're not good. I think they came from, what's that place called down the street? Salvation Army, but... Goodwill. Goodwill, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Goodwill's a great organization. Yeah. The owner of Goodwill makes a lot of money, and people do not like that. Well, Goodwill's been a client of mine. It was Goodwill North Georgia. Outstanding organization. Here's what I like about their organization. We're going to unpack some nonprofit stuff. Yeah. Goodwill, and I'll speak primarily of Goodwill North Georgia, they are very successful in their mission. And a great deal of that is because they run their organization like a business and not like a nonprofit. And here's what I mean. And my wife's a social worker, so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nonprofits far too often are run by people who are not business savvy. They don't understand how to grow the organization strategically. They don't do a very good job of retaining talent. There's this idea in the public view that employees of nonprofits should be just over the edge of needing the services they provide for somebody else, right? So you think of goodwill, it's like, well, if you're paying your CEO a million dollars a year, 2.3 million, it says, but who's yeah, counting? Sure. Yeah. Whatever. 2.3 yeah, yeah. million. Yeah. All right. So let's do a comparison here. Yeah. If you look up Goodwill's mission, right, you could look up their statistics on how many people they put to work. They have a multifaceted business model. It's not just donations. Donations are certainly one piece of it, but they have career centers. They do job training. They do job placement. They do a whole lot of shit that most people will never see. So in my experience with Goodwill, they were successful because they ran their organization like a business. Yeah. They want to get a million people to work. And we have a goal of helping more than 1 million people find sustainable careers by 2025 through a new Rising Together Coalition. Yeah. And that's a lot of it has to do with post-COVID sure. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. I love Goodwill. But again, before I worked with them, I didn't know that they did anything else other than the donations. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you'd hear you can't go there because of something that they heard. The owner makes $2.3 million a year, Right. not looking deeper into it. What kind of impact does that owner? Maybe he's taking a discount. I don't know. Well, I mean, do you remember years ago, there was a big stink about George W. Bush getting paid $150,000 to come do a keynote speech for a nonprofit organization. People threw a hissy fit mm. because he charged $150,000. Do you know how much money they raised that night in donations? A lot. Over a million dollars. Yeah. So you tell me. Mm. Pretty good ROI. Yeah. That's very good. But people don't want to have that. They want to have this, oh, you should be donating your time all the time to nonprofits. And nonprofits should only pay a certain amount of money. And so you wonder, like in uh, social services, why the burnout rate is so high. Yeah. Especially in like DFAC. You know, if you go to Department of Family and Social Services, that burnout rate is extremely high. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking a few years and people are gone. I wonder if, because he's a Republican, like, were they mad that it was George Certainly. W. Bush? Of course. But you get the same thing if it was Fox News sure. looking at Obama, because Obama gets paid that kind of money, too. They all do. Yeah. Great speaking career after you're president. I mean, you learn yeah. how to speak. <laughs> for the, you know, <laughs> for sure. Some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's be judged. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. You show up. It's great. You make good. People protested probably outside, didn't they? Of course. A but handful. everybody's going to complain about everything. And look, if the return on that investment, I mean, that's a tenfold plus return on investment. Yeah. You know, 
That's better than the stock market. That's pretty good. We should have George Bush speak. Should we have him on the podcast? <laughs> hey, I got some questions for you about yeah. the Iraq war. Yeah. Now, look, yeah. I'm not saying it was all your fault, yeah. but I'm saying there was some bullshit for sure. Yeah. People get mad. I was going back to our book. Yeah. Coddling of the American Mind. Great book. Charles Murray spoke at Middlebury College. Yeah. And people freaked out. Of course. Lost it. And because it was an unsafe space. Yeah. They were not comfortable with him speaking. People got hurt. They had to flee the speaker and his support team who like wanted to ask him hard questions. Like, yeah. It's crazy. That was 2017. And it's really picked up when you read this stuff. Then you go actually read the articles mm -hmm. from that time period. So there's like the Atlantic article. The person that was going to ask him the hardest questions is a liberal. Of course. And she was the one that got injured. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Yeah. I guess I just have a hard time seeing how a bunch of... <laughs> this is such a stupid statement. I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. I have a hard time seeing how a bunch of overly sensitive, fragile college students could really pose a physical threat. I guess they're numbers. Numbers. But in my mind, I'm just thinking, really? Real anger. Yeah. yeah but if you're not wanting to fight, you just want to go hear someone speak, which people have been hurt. Like they're physically going to stop you from seeing the speaker. Oh yeah. If what they're going to do to other students. Or other students or any of it, because they said Charles Murray was going to go speak at an undisclosed location, yeah. but they found out where the undisclosed location was. And yeah, I mean, like when you have that agenda yeah. and you're that angry about something, you could probably cause some damage. Well, you can cause some damage. Well, I'm sure you can, but it only takes them doing that to the wrong person one time. Yeah. Where they stop. They were in masks and the college didn't know. I don't know who got caught or who didn't get caught, but it sounds like they couldn't figure out who did what. So they just issue apologies, blanket apologies, and the people, the perpetrators, nothing happened. Yeah. You know, again, that kind of behavior is tolerated because the administration's tolerated. I don't know how much more they're tolerating it, but if the administration doesn't do anything about it, then they think it's okay. Yeah. Then they can get away with whatever they want to. But, but you know, in all seriousness, at some point in time, these students, these folks who are protesting somebody coming to speak, if they resort to violence and violence is returned on them, that's going to be an ugly day. Yeah. And I'm saying that like, hey, you're living in a fantasy world. If you think your physical threats of violence towards another group of people or somebody else is not going to be reciprocated. Like to me, that's just, I don't know. I think that's kind of a wake up call for some people. Yeah. You would hope. I would hope it never came to that. Right. Right. You think that's just going to, oh, since you're being so angry about it, I'm going to stop thinking the way I think and I'm going to think the way you think. Like that was the way to solve it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Have dialogue, have conversation totally. about it. But no, let's not do that. So if you stop me from hearing that, you think you'll stop me or somebody from thinking that way. That's well, again, it's maybe they do, but in fear, but now that that's why they hide out. Well, that is the other amazing thing too, is that courage is in short supply and maybe it always has been. I don't know. I mean, that's a really interesting thing about human behavior yeah. is that idiotic or extreme ideologies, they get to thrive in environments that lack courage. Yeah. That's absolutely what we saw in the midst of COVID. And we certainly see that. I mean, we've been seeing that for a long time, but it's people refusing to take action or to say something or to finally put a stop to nonsensical behavior or ideas, not in a way of like suppressing speech, but just you know, I mean, the, the idea, you know, they talk about in calling the American mind a lot, but the idea of allowing students to throw temper tantrums because they don't feel safe or to take any accusation by students against a professor for whatever it could be, 
oh, well, that person is a transphobe or they're a racist for things that may be completely unrelated or taken completely out of context. And then for the administration, go, well, we're going to put them on administrative leave because we don't want to upset these students because yeah. we want to foster a, an environment of safety and inclusion for everyone. You're fucking those kids up because when they get in the real world, that shit ain't going to fly. Yeah. Now, sometimes you may say, well, no, it's actually infecting corporate America. It does up until the point that that behavior negatively impacts profits. The minute, as we've seen, the minute it does, all that stuff's out the window mm. because that's the real world. A company is not going to go bankrupt for a stupid ideology. They're just not. So you're setting kids up for a real terrible or for a real wake-up call. That's just what it is. That's what I'm saying. You know, again, I don't condone violence, but if, you know, your life is threatened, I condone self-defense for sure. And you got a lot of these kids, and it's not the majority of them, but are going, walking right up to the line of resorting to violence if they believe that your speech is violence. So they're going to resort to physical violence. And then that, it's just a matter of time, that gets returned on them. And that could just end up very badly for everybody. Yeah. And I'm not talking about civil war. I'm talking about like very specific instances. Right? Yeah. Getting punched in the face hurts. Yeah. That's actual violence. Right? Yeah. You hurting my feelings isn't. Absolutely. That's what this book talks about. If you yeah. choose to interpret a campus lecture as violence, that's a choice. Yeah. That is a choice. Just to the point, like you said, if someone punched you in the face, that's pain. Yes. That's real pain. That's not a choice. I didn't choose yeah. to feel that pain. Right. And there were, I believe it was, and I don't know his name, which for this podcast, David Axelrod, maybe. Yeah. Is that it? No, I'm sorry. Jeez. And David Axelrod, he's yeah. serving the Obama no. administration. Yeah. Van Jones, who's President Barack Obama's green jobs advisor. He talked right, about yeah. it. Like, choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Yeah. I mean, that's stoic philosophy, right? I get it. But like, there's this outrage that's created and we all get each other up. Yeah. And you see that in anything, right? Like a conversation in a meeting, like two people could be talking and they could just get each other going. Of course. And you take that to like these levels of true violence because you don't like the fact that this person's coming on your campus to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've just forgotten how to communicate since just look at technology. If everything is reduced to a certain number of characters or everything, you know, conversations are reduced to text messages. And again, I'm not somebody who's like, oh, let's go back to the good old days. Let's break out the carrier pigeons. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, that's not what I'm saying. But you can see a decline of the ability to communicate. Mm. I mean, it's crazy. I think I've talked about this before. You go past our bus stop, the middle school bus stop, and well over half the kids have their phones out and they're just staring down into their screen, waiting for the bus, not talking to each other. Yeah. Just staring into a screen. Yeah. I think that sucks. Yeah. Right? I mean, there should at least be a good bully at the bus stop. There should be some <laughs> name calling, some fights. Yeah. But now you get them all distracted in their own little screens. It's terrible. Yeah. There's a... I think this was yesterday. It was. People are lobbying to regulate social media, which I don't know what that means. It was a 60-minute special last mm -hmm. night. I knew it was going to be on. I forgot about it. It doesn't matter because I can go watch it tonight. Right. We'll watch it. You Who's watch lobbying? it. You watch it. We'll watch it together. Teens. Teens are lobbying? I haven't seen it yet. Meet the teens lobbying to regulate social media on 60 Minutes. What is the regulation of social media? I don't know. She was excited at age 12. She was in sixth grade to join the world of social media. She'd reached a breaking point by ninth grade. Everyone around me had increased rates of anxiety, depression, body image issues. Now a sophomore at Washington University in St. Louis. Talked about the mental health crisis. She wants social media companies to be held accountable and she wants lawmakers to be the ones to do it. Yeah. Now without looking through and reading an entire that, build of right. exactly what they're trying to put in there, the general premise of that I think is a good idea. Yeah. I don't think kids should have access to social media the way that they do right now. Yeah. Especially with all the studies that have come out about the impact that it has had on depression, mental health, and just stress and anxiety in general. Like the data is there. Yeah. 
It's not like it just showed up yesterday. Yeah. So we have the data. We know that it has a negative impact on society. I mean, just look at all this police misinformation and that's never going to work. But what they're really trying to do is they're trying to solve this problem here, which is the way that social media companies are incentivized. Yeah. Number one. So ad revenue, what gets ad revenue? Clicks, outrage. So that's going to drive more ad revenue. Yeah. And then it's who gets access to social media at what age? I mean, I can, for as much as I can try, I mean, I'm not getting my kid a smartphone. It's just not happening. I'm really thinking about doing some type of homeschool for my oldest. Just school's not really his thing. He loves his friends. Yeah. He loves his friends a lot. He doesn't ever get his work done. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, my kid's not going to have a smartphone and I'm not going to let him create a social media account. Is that because I'm being a hard ass? No, it's because in our work, right, we understand the back end of, of how these things work. Like, what was that movie that everybody got excited about on Netflix? There's a documentary, Social Media Dilemma. That was it, yeah. right? Everything they were talking about, their people were just shocked. I was like, oh, we've known about that shit for years. You know, if you understand how the technology works and you understand, I mean, there's some amazing big brother tools, Yeah, right? We've used them. You've used them in your business. I've used them in mine as well. They're great. It's to help you get more dialed in on who's actually paying attention to your shit. Now, it's a shock though for most people to hear that they're being tracked like that, manipulated, you know, to being shown things that, you know, are moving them in a certain direction or helping to shape a certain ideology. That means that these are tools that can be used as genuine, oh, I don't want to say weapons, but I mean, psychologically for sure. Yeah. Now, is that new to our society? The technology is, but the, the drive to shape public opinion is not. I mean, that's as yeah. old as civilization, yeah. right? So if you have that drive to shape public opinion and you have the tools to do it in a way that has never been possible ever, well, then if you have no oversight or regulation of that, and again, I guess it would depend on what the regulation is defined at. I'm not yeah. somebody who believes in, I think regulating industries is important if the incentive is correct. If the incentive is to actually solve a problem or prevent a problem, great. But, you know, quick breakdown of how the regulatory system works. I learned this real quick in Washington when I used to lobby on behalf of the National Small Business Association. Regulators are incentivized to create more rules that reinforce the executive regulation. So if the president says, we're going to put in XYZ, this is the directive, the regulators then look at that at the federal level and they say, okay, so if it's environmental, if it's about like uh, regulating these things here, it could be anything, right? whatever that regulation is. The regulation is to enforce the executive order. Maybe not technically the executive order, but this is the directives. This is what's going to happen. So then the regulators reach down to the you know, state, local level, all the regulatory bodies that are out mm. there. And they are incentivized to create more regulations, rules that help people stay in compliance of the federal regulation. None of it is incentivized to actually solve a problem, say if it's an environmental problem. None of it is. Yeah. It's all incentivized to create more rules so that everybody looks like they're doing their job. Yeah. But it's not solving the problem. So when you hear of overregulation, it's because small and medium-sized companies, for example, are spending an insane amount of money and time and energy on trying to stay in compliance, oftentimes with shit that doesn't even touch their business. Yeah. Because it's this blanket approach. So I'm not a big fan of the regulatory system. I think it's massively overblown and wasteful. I think it's very misdirected. I am in favor, for sure, of there being checks and balances on companies, especially those that are polluting the environment, who can pay a big fee and just dump their shit in a river and everybody downstream should just suck it. Like, that's not okay. Yeah. So, yeah. for sure, you know, but this is sensible regulation. Yeah. So in this situation here, 
I think, you know, if there's clear data that shows that harm is being inflicted on society, legit harm, not, oh, I got my feelings hurt because somebody tweeted this thing, legit harm, which we've seen. Yeah. Then there should be some type of regulatory action that's taken. Yeah. But knowing the history of our regulatory bodies, it'll yeah. be a shit show. Is that become like saving people from themselves a little bit? Because like that is part of the problem. Someone gets their feelings hurt, but you do that a hundred times over. Uh -huh. And yeah, I would agree like, that would probably be something where you have to look inward and work on that because... Yeah. Yeah. Well, just think about this, Eric, right? Before social media, if somebody was just a real dick and hurt everybody's feelings, what did you do? I don't know. <laughs> you don't remember? Yeah. You ignored them. Yeah. They didn't have any friends. Right. They were lonely. Well, you didn't have to see them all the time. Well, you still don't have Kids to see them Kids come home all the time. from school and they have all this access immediately yeah. back to those same people. Whereas before, you didn't have access. You'd have to get on a phone or you'd have to go meet somebody. You got away from it. You had separation. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, it, and I was just kind of referencing if somebody's just being a troll or a bully online. I get it. Yeah. But in real life, it's like, okay, we'll just avoid that person. Right. And that person is going to end up lonely in their parents' basement. Right. Trolling for the rest of their lives. Yeah. The fact that they are connected to the people in their class, in the school. God, man, I don't envy kids these days. Yeah. I don't envy these kids at all. Yeah. It's tough. Just think of, just a moment of, say, your sophomore year in high school. Mm. And just imagine if social media was around. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Not good at all. No. Not good at all. Everything is uh, recorded. Videos. This and uh, Yeah. It's not good. I would hate that. Hate it. Hate it. Yeah. Schools have to use screens for certain things. Screens are going to be a part of our lives. I understand that fact. Mm. Right. But I wish there was less dependence on them. I mean, my kid comes home from school. He's been in front of screens all day. Yeah. And he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you heard the comedian Ronnie Chang. Oh, he's hilarious. He's, he talks he's so about good. the goal is to see how many screens we can get between our eyes and the wall. It's like you got your Apple Watch, <laughs> your phone, your iPad, your computer, right. right? And you just want as many as you can get. And it's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, look yeah. at us. Look at us. I mean, this is ridiculous. You feel naked if you walk around without your oh, phone. Oh, my goodness. And then you realize, I'm feeling naked without my phone. Yeah. I'm a pathetic human being. Yeah. That's what goes through so my that's mind. That's the thing. It's like people can be aware that this is causing a problem. Sure. And people will even say it. This is a problem. Right. It's a whole nother thing to stop that. Like usually I'd stop it for a week and that's good. You have a whatever. Yeah. Inevitably they go back to it. And I don't think it's even just kids. No. I think it's adults. Yeah. It definitely has an impact on me. I would say it depends how you use it. Right. Because there's a habit. So I could have a habit, open up my phone and let's say go to Twitter. Right. And I know when I do that, once in a while, I'll get some good stuff, right? And the people yeah. I follow, so I've controlled that environment a little bit. But if I open up my Kindle app, mm -hmm. there's a totally different experience. Yeah. And having that, like, that's amazing. Like, literally have almost any book, for sure, any resource that you want that you could open up and you could just look at it. Yeah. You might not understand it, doesn't matter, but it's available. Yeah. That's the amazing positive that we get from it. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is you can open up Facebook and feel left out. Right. You can open up TikTok and you can be motivated or you could go down this rabbit hole that you really didn't want to go down. Or you could go on Twitter and you could see that Elton John is getting off of Twitter because he doesn't agree with Elon Musk. And then yeah. people start calling out what Elton John's done in his past. And so it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, see? yeah, yeah like, there you go. <laughs> Just the cesspool yeah. of which is what Twitter is. And then you go down that and it's funny, but then mm -hmm. you're like, this is offering me absolutely nothing. This yeah, you is, walk away like, feeling depressed. You could, you could. Minor depression. It's like a microdose of depression. Yeah. Microdosing. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
It's not good. Yeah. You don't want that. No, of course not. Yeah. Because all that stuff builds up. The thing is, self-awareness is great, but when you're self-aware about bad habits, it really sucks. We all have them. Of course. But most people aren't self-aware enough to realize, hey, this is a bad habit. Right. So for you, it's Twitter. For me, it's YouTube. I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, video, I love video. Video is great medium. But you know, after a while, it's just like, man, I need to go through and clean this thing up because now I'm being suggested shit that I absolutely am not interested in. Yeah. You know, just not at all. Yeah. The algorithms are changing and Zucks knows it because he's doing it on Facebook because it used to be you would only see the content for the people that you followed. Right. Now you see the content because you don't care about those. Like you care about those people, maybe some people, high school people, like who gives a shit? Yeah. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Like, can't be connected to all these people. You haven't seen them in X amount of years. Anyway, you're seeing content that interests you. But then it does, like you said, it does go down this path. It does. Yeah. Of like, I don't know. It's probably not so good. But I want all the people in high school to see me and say, see, he's not a fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was kidding. Yeah. They'll definitely get that. Oh, listening for sure. to this. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, definitely, yeah. Jared. Wow. wow. That guy, he's got it together. Hopefully, you have a fact checker back in high school, like mm. today, and he's just fact checked the shit out of this. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. You know, that would be a fun thing to do. We probably have a fact checker out there. I mean, the podcast has gotten pretty big. Oh, yeah. Pretty meaning like that could be anything. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah. Pop filter. Yeah. Yeah. So we should like totally change it up. Well, you know, uh, no, please. I'm going to change it up. We don't have to. I would stick on that for an episode if you'd like any of it. Social media? Anything we talked about? Yeah. Pop filters. Education, pop filters. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, here's the thing I listened to an interesting podcast. So our episode we did on anti Semitism is. Of course. I mean, that's a big topic. Mm-hmm. I've had friends that listen to it and they're like, oh, you know, interesting. You touch a topic like that, mm-hmm. there's going to be opinions and, and I think that's totally normal. That's valid for sure. One thing I will say is this, is that in any discussion that I, or, you know, perception or ideas that I have about certain topics, if it is not something that I'm directly, like I don't experience anti-Semitism mm-hmm. because I'm not Jewish, mm-hmm. right? Despite my last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't experience that. So for me, my insight or my opinions on those things are much more like academic. Mm-hmm. It's observational, mm-hmm. but it's not experiential. Yeah. So I do think that's why I enjoy conversations with people who have experience or who are from, say, you know, a certain community that have experienced those things. That to me is always interesting. Yeah. I can't pretend like I know what that's like. Right. Right. And so I'm always really, you know, much more interested to understand because I think it's easy to be very, there's a lot of naivete for me, on mm-hmm. things like, say, anti-Semitism, a lot of the, and I guess it depends on who you talk to, but, you know, everything kind of being blown up after the murder of George Floyd, you know, which was horrific. But then, you know, it just kind of kicked off this really bizarre racial reckoning that a lot of folks were talking, oh, well, this is what this is, and a lot of weird DEI stuff going on that we've talked about before, too, you know, and it, which is all blowing up in corporate America because it's, again, negatively impacting the bottom line for a lot of companies. But coming back to all that, I grew up as an army brat, so I'm naive in a lot of ways because I grew up around every nationality. I mean, it just was, that. I mean, I, was, I grew up around everybody. It was great. So I feel comfortable in communities that are not white. And I'm not, I don't say that to be like pat myself on the back. I grew up in where I was usually the minority, and that actually feels kind of comfortable for me. I feel more uncomfortable in a majority white neighborhood because it's just odd. And I'm not saying that to sound like, oh, wow, Jared, he's great. Yeah. Boy, that yeah. guy's yeah. got it figured yeah. out. Yeah. That's just the truth. You talk to any army brat, they're going to probably tell you the same thing. Oh. Yeah. That's not unique to me. Yeah. Because the military brings everybody from everywhere and just throws you into a big pot. Yeah. My wife was telling me about a friend of her sister's. And this shocked me because I know this friend. 
because a lot of the the discussion about you know racism in my mind has just been so overblown. Now again, experientially, I'm just like, ah, you know, I don't spend time around people who are overtly racist. I just don't, you know. But she was telling me that her friend, or her sister's friend, was telling her because they just moved to Georgia, and she made this statement. She said, "Oh, finally, you know, I found a white doctor." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. You know, she was like, she didn't want to have a, a black doctor. She's like, well, I'm not racist. Like, I just want to have a white doctor. And she's like, okay, but that does kind of seem a little bit racist. Yeah. Like, my doctor's black. My dentist is black. You know, like, to me, I'm so, it's just bizarre. Again, yeah. But that's because I like them and they're good. Yeah. They're very good at what they do. The only reason you said that now was because someone else said the opposite. Right. Like, you didn't think about it. No. I'm like, my doctor's my doctor. And she happens to have, you know, a darker skin pigment than me. So the fuck what? Yeah. But again, that's because. Like, you know, I didn't grow up in a lily white neighborhood. Right. That's not to say, it's just weird, man. It's weird. Like, I'm not, I don't know how to process that. Because in my mind, I'm like, that's kind of a fucked up thing to say. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. You're afraid to have a black doctor? Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I remember coming to school in the South, Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. And that someone found out I was, are you, what religion are you? Like, Hanukkah. whatever. Yeah, Hanukkah. Yeah. That's what they said to my son. Yeah. Jewish. Oh, I've never met a Jewish person before. Like they're old enough to have met. Well, haven't you heard? They're everywhere. No. Right. <laughs> I mean, right? Like it's just an interesting thing to that's an interesting response to a basic question. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like whatever. Like yeah. what do you want to go to dinner tonight? I don't know. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's very tribal. It's the categorization of like, oh, I've never met someone. But you it's know. to your point about culture and in your experience with it, because I would imagine being an army brat, you moved around a lot. All right? the time. Every six months to three years. And yeah. I couldn't understand what that would be like to go to different schools. Like I didn't go to different schools. I switched and transitioned from a middle school or actually from an elementary school to a middle school that became the same high school. So yeah. that's a very different experience than you had going to different army bases. Four different elementary schools, three different high schools. Yeah, that was just yeah. life. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So that's a experience that you have For that sure. I couldn't possibly understand that. Don't even try. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no, but it is. But I do think this is where spending time and listening to other people, right? Like genuine conversation. And it's so funny. We can't even say spending time and having conversation with other people without that being almost loaded because it's been hijacked by this crazy sensitivity, yeah. sensitivity mob. Yeah. Where it's like they would define that as you sit there and let me scream at you for all the sins of your ancestors. Yeah. Or let me scream at you for all the things you haven't done but that somebody like you has done and yeah. you need to bear the brunt of my, my yeah. offense. Which again, I also have to say, I don't think that happens. That's not representative of the majority of the country. Right. It's just what the media likes to highlight. Absolutely. It pulls it out. Right. Another comedian on Netflix, Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah, Maniscalco. yeah. Italian dude. He's also- yeah, he's hilarious because he talks about it in his podcast. He, he talks, he's like, are we going to sit Indian? Because he has to go to his kid's school. So he asked the teacher, <laughs> are we going to sit Indian style? And everyone in the audience like was easily offended. So he had this whole bit about it. I'm not going to try to replay what he said. Uh-huh. Then he talked to the classroom parent comes up to him uh-huh. and he's Asian. Yeah, And so everyone, again, freaks out just because he used the word Asian. He's like, <laughs> he just was expressing it. And he's like, there's a story behind it. So he yeah. talks about, he's like, you see that kid right there? Mm-hmm. He's like, that's my son. Yeah. And he's Asian. He's the only Asian kid there. And again, everyone gets offended by it. He's like, listen, I get it. Like he could have an adopted child. It's all good. I understand right. that. He's like, but if I'm putting money on it, that's his son. <laughs> he's like, so if you want to play that game and when you finally have to put money on the table, right? So, I mean, it's like so true. Everyone's like offended. He just (laughs) dropped the word. It's great. I think what's cool though, 
about our relationship, Jared. It's such a good one. Yeah. Too. Can we hold hands on the yeah, video here? Yeah. We'll make that so, happen. Just reach across. Yeah. My son's actually playing in a couple of church basketball leagues right now. Oh, yeah. He's with his friends or whatever. Evangelicals? And, yeah. I don't know. Is he going to convert they're good them? kids. But at, before each game and after each game, they get in a prayer circle. For sure. And he joins in. Yeah. It's all good. Definitely. Like, Does he correct yeah. any of their, you know, yeah, theological yeah. inaccuracies at time? I'm like, you learned some new stuff. It's interesting. Was, it's yeah. culture, <laughs> right? Like, what's for the sure. But what's cool is I was going to say about our relationship before you, like, you just had to, like, I do. I'm sorry. get uncomfortable. I do. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, God, this is a commitment. I could uh, send you something. Mm. You could send you a book. Could. Send you an interview. Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson interviewing Benjamin Netanyahu talking uh -huh. about these things. And you would learn about it. You would be interested. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, talk about it. You don't have to be right. Uh, you have to be right a lot, but you don't have to be right. And I think that's what you're getting at, I think, with conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, my goal is not to be right. I mean, I want to do the right thing. Right. But I just enjoy learning. I mean, yeah. We were talking about, uh, we're always talking about it. I love Barry Weiss's podcast. I think it's great. She always has really interesting folks on there. And as I've said, I don't agree with everything she says, but that's why I like her. Yeah. You know, I think she's really smart and has really meaningful conversations. Yeah. And this last one that I listened to was, it was on the history and maybe the future of the black and Jewish relationship. And she had, you know, a panel of folks on there awesome conversation. I learned a whole lot that I wasn't aware of, which, you know, in retrospect, thinking about our conversation about anti-Semitism, again, because I'm not seeing it right. every day. I'm not the object or the target of it. I know the way I look, I could look like somebody who's inflicting it with my beard and shaved head, but then that would be profiling and I wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I know I look like I'm starting a militia, but I'm not. Yeah. That's just a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. So, Listening to this podcast, though, it was really interesting to hear perspectives on, you know, they had historical context to it, different opinions about, they even talked about Dave Chappelle's bit. And it was just interesting to hear how the discussion went, because it was, I don't know, it gets into the nuance. Mm -hmm. And you learn a lot about things that I just wasn't aware of at all. Because in my mind, the 30,000 foot view, what I think about when I think of the Black and Jewish relationship, I think of the civil rights movement. And a lot of the white people, right? Now, some people say, well, I'm Jewish, I'm not white. Or they say, well, you know, but again, that's part of the right. discussion. They were Jewish, you know? They were helping to lead and helping to organize for civil rights. So when I think of it as somebody who's not in that community, in either communities, I look at that historical relationship and go, I thought that was good. But then you learn a lot more about, oh, well, interesting, okay. Well, there's these perceptions that experiences that get then thrown on a whole group of people. Yeah, it's very complex. But that's every human group, right? Yeah. You know, again, I didn't grow up in New York City. I didn't grow up in Chicago. It's when I meet people who grew up in those areas, if they're Italian, they grew up in the Italian boroughs. Mm -hmm. If they're Irish, they grew up in the Irish boroughs, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are all grouped, again, which is the antithesis of my experience of, hey, growing up, my best friends were Black, Puerto Rican, Samoan, Korean, you name it. Pick a nationality, and that is running through the U.S. It Army. Did, they did. And then it, people migrated to different parts of cities as suburbs became and cities grew, right? And yeah. so then all of a sudden, you had more of a melting pot experience or those areas were very close together. Mm -hmm. And then you went to school and then you went out in public and you played on soccer teams or whatever it is you did. And all of a sudden, they came together. Yeah. And it wasn't just one culture or one religion or one nationality. It was all of them kind of melted in together. And I think I that, guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. So it's like in some areas though, it's not because you come to some cities that have been around a lot and they have none of that, right? Because mm -hmm. like they did really did separate yeah. completely. And yeah. yeah, but you said the word a few times, discussion, right. and that's it. I think that's the key. It's discussion, listening, not having to be right. Yeah. Because when you're right, 
and you have to be right and the other person's wrong, that means you won. And like, if you did that with your child or your spouse or a parent and you were always right all the time, yeah. that means you beat like your wife. Congratulations, your wife's wrong. Like, so what, I'm a wife beater? Is that? You're saying I'm a wife no, beater? I didn't say that. Is it because of the way I look? Context. <laughs> Context. All right. You saw the trade that happened. Brittany Griner, WNBA player, merchant of death. Oh, that Victor. Victor Bout. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. You got to be careful. Yeah, I just started watching a documentary on this guy. What a shithead. Yeah. You look at genocides, like, I mean, Rwanda. Oh, yeah. I mean, he supplied the weapons to both sides of the, yeah. you know, the war. He's done this in Yugoslavia. Yeah. Well, the former Yugoslavia. Oh, man. man yeah. Jeez, I didn't realize that was him. Yeah. Wow, that's fucked up. That's a lot to think about. It is. Yeah. This is unfortunate, you know, that she's there and she's being held for what? Is it mean, nine years? I mean, for something stupid, but yeah. it's their rules. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, clearly, if it was your child or my, like, you'd want that child to come home. You'd yeah. be like, what of were course. you thinking? Like, if you're in another country, it's their laws. Your laws don't but matter. But was she over there playing ball? She went to go practice. Okay. Yeah. She had drugs with her. So it's like... Allegedly. I don't know if it was allegedly. I thought she did. Maybe she did. Who Maybe knows? they planned it. I think she did. But even if she did, and it wasn't like she was going to distribute or anything no. like that. I think what they say, found a, a cartridge or something like that. Yeah, something stupid. Yeah. But it's their law. So I get it. But it's like... Yeah. Golly, they're hardcore. Right. But it's also a high profile person that you can, I mean, so maybe she did. Maybe she broke the law. Maybe she didn't. Yeah. And it was like, this will be good. certainly didn't deserve nine years. Oh, of course not. Right. But no. that's their, that's just crazy. Yeah. So I, maybe we shouldn't leave our country. Yeah. Don't leave the U.S. Don't go to Russia. Yeah. Don't go to Russia. Just don't do it. Yeah. You know, that'd be the easiest thing to do. Avoid all that. Right. Just yeah. live in your own box. Join the metaverse. Yeah. I'll go to Russia in the metaverse. Mm. Yeah. You know who's going to go with me? Zucks. No, Zucks isn't going to go with me. He's not going Art is going to go with Ooh. me. I like that. The elephant on top of a baboon's body. We're just going to call it Art for now. That person or thing would go with me. Yeah. We'd go to Russia. We'd go in the winter. The digital winter. You like this? Do you have to wear a jacket? No, because I feel no pain in the metaverse. Yeah. But you feel cold air. It's not pain. You know, you could, because your brain doesn't tell the difference. Right. Yeah. You know, your body temperature will your body temperature would actually rise to keep you from getting cold. Maybe you're right. That would be interesting to just to plug it. I'm sure somebody there had to have already done this. Yeah. Anyway. So you've thought about this though. About this animal? Because we hadn't talked about this creature, this art. Right. Since the beginning of this episode. And you brought it back up like and nailed it. So yeah. it's like you've been drawing pictures at home. No. Okay. Just since I came here and said it the first time in this podcast, I brought it to life. Yeah. And now it's in my heart. And now I want to take it with me to digital Russia. Yeah. Full stop. There's nothing else to discuss. Digital Russia. Are we going to have those countries there? I don't know, man. It would seem kind of boring if you just replicated the same old countries. No, it's totally different. What would the United States become? Well, it would become anything. Right. Just be yeah. Totally, yeah. What's the geography? Think about all the lawyers we're going to need and all the regulators we're going to need to try to figure out the rules behind this. I think metaverse is a bad idea. <laughs> it's this is not a good idea. It's not going to go well. No, it's not going to go well for anybody. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It already isn't. Here's how we save the metaverse. We discourage people from going. Yeah. We do that. I mean, but there's a lot of creatives there. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. There's a lot of creatives here too. So what? Ooh. Metaverse is not a good idea. Wait, because it change everything. You yeah. save people from just going. Don't even enter. Things are changing. They are changing. So it's going to change people's business models. It was like, so I got this question and 
what do you think is going to happen to gas stations in the future? In the future? I just wanted to like <laughs> yeah. let you know that we're going to talk about you a little bit right now. Mere for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Gas stations are going to be put out of business because charging stations, yeah. right? So people in California are upset because mom and pop gas stations are going out of business. So my question to you is, that's just innovation. So if they go out of business and they've done well for a long time, but California is forcing people to go EV, mm-hmm. is that like, maybe they should start adapting and start putting chargers in their gas stations? That's I don't simple. know. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to see the data on that about mom and pop well, there's gas New York stations. Times articles about it, yeah. <laughs> just like you said, you know, hey, if you're going to be putting up charging stations, I mean, what do people, when they go to get gas, gas stations become much more than just a place to get fuel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, well, I need to get gum. I need to get Red Bull. I need to get whatever. Right. You know, your kids, oh, yeah, let's get a snack. Yeah, hot dog. Exactly. Piece of pizza. You're yeah. not going to get that from just some stale start charging station. Yeah. No. You're going to have to make two trips. Yeah. To the charging station and then to find some type of convenience store. Mm-hmm. That's two trips. Yeah. So, of course, the two should be combined. Right. Because that works. It's too easy. So if you got mom and pop gas stations, they got real estate. So just start swapping things over. Get rid of your gas or have one gas pump and then have the rest of it as a charging station. Yeah, come get your snacks. So I don't see what the fucking problem is. I agree. But people are upset. But this is California. So there was probably some regulatory obstacles that are so stupid and badly (laughs) implemented that it is going to fuck up these businesses. Yeah. Because that's what California does. Yeah. No. They should move out of California then. Like, I don't know. Like a lot of other people did. Yeah. Your dollar will go a lot further. Yeah. You won't be taxed nearly as much. I like that. The real estate thought. You could do something else. Of course. Or just be a convenience store. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I'm sure there's subsidies for putting in charging stations too. There's got to be. Does Elon let them use the Tesla? It's like they have like a mass produced Tesla's charging station. Who knows? I don't know that anybody has the patent on. You could go to your charging station, buy your Tesla snacks, because they'll probably have those soon, and get on Twitter. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> great about it. Yeah. 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 You go to the charging. Sorry, let's think of how stupid this scenario is. You roll up in your Tesla. Yeah. Or just anything to a Tesla charging station. Right? Yeah. And just like the gas stations now, you roll up. As soon as you put that, your pump, you hook it into the car, stupid video comes up and it's like giving you advertisements. Like nobody asked for this. Nobody asked for this. But this time it's Elon Musk. Yeah. And he's just reading tweets about himself. <laughs> yeah. They're just popping up. He's like, hey, here's a couple good ones, guys. Yeah. You know, just people Twitter just files. shitting him. Twitter files. You reading those? No, because I don't care. He's calling up. <laughs> I just don't give a shit, yeah. man. I don't care about Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. The fact that anybody's like, oh, I can't believe that an administrator, <laughs> that there's corruption in the government. Yeah. I was like, come fucking wake up. Yeah. You know, yeah. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Well, I don't think people either want to wake up or they like, that's not true. Yeah. Or they're like, yeah, they're just like, keep that away from me. Yeah. You know, am I condoning it? No. Not the Twitter press. I'm talking about, am I any, condoning yeah, corruption? Yeah. Any? No, of course not. But let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Does it impact your day-to-day life? Does it materially impact your day-to-day life? No, it fucking doesn't. Yeah. It can negatively impact your day-to-day life psychologically. Yeah. If you're sitting around like paying attention to everybody who's throwing to, uh, God, I just, I can't stand them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying I don't appreciate the professional journalism. Absolutely. But journalists these days are few and far between. Yeah. It's just entertainers, speculators. Yeah. I mean, I could have my own show and just spout a bunch of ridiculous shit. You have to drive engagement. Of course. You have to drive clicks because there's now there's so many people like us mm-hmm. that are taking space. Oh, we're before, taking up so much oh, space. Because yeah. oh, before yeah. we would have had to have been featured on yeah. like the Charlotte Morning Show. 
Here's the Jared and Eric two minutes. We could never get this out in two minutes. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. We gotta have time for idiocy. Yeah. There's to be time for us to really just sound <laughs> stupid. Yeah. You can't force that. Mm-hmm. I can't force my ignorant comments. I can't force those. I have to spend time with them. Yeah. I have to think about what ignorant thing am I going to say today? Ooh. That takes time. You got to get into the nuance of the stupidity. It doesn't even take time. I think you just have to get into a conversation and yeah. stuff just happens. You have to set me up for yeah. failure. Yeah. So I, like I can that. say more and more idiotic things yeah. that really make me look. It's on one end. Yeah. You're so immature. And the other end, you're so immature because you were just talking about how like, come on, you don't think there's corruption. Right. That's the whole like grow up Peter Pan. contradiction. Right. Yeah. So you're not Peter Pan. I'm not Peter Pan. Yeah. I don't like the way he dresses. Yeah. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Peter Pan would never have a beard like this. Mm. And that's his loss. That was a long time ago, Peter Pan. Yeah, it was. It was a very long time ago. Yeah. He might have a beard. Uh, maybe now. Yeah. I mean, if he knows what's good for Done him. a lot of psychedelics. <laughs> yeah. Because like, just had a hard time growing up. He probably changed his name too. Because yeah. Peter Pan just doesn't really fit with the beard. Yeah. What would his name change to? Ooh, Peter Pan. I think Peter would still be in it. I think he changed his name to Dangerous Dan. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. But so is Peter Pan. Let's be real. Yeah. It's a ridiculous name. Mm. It's not a name you would ever give any kind of superhero. That's not the name that you would give to an object or to a person. No, that you want your children looking up to. I want my kids to look up to Peter Pan. No, you want your kids looking up to Dangerous Dan. Yeah. Dangerous Dan. He's the outlaw of the heart of gold. Yeah. And a beard. So like, so you just compared Peter Pan to like Iron Man. Dangerous Dan. Wonder Woman. I mean, look, contextually, Peter Pan was a superhero in his own way. In He kind of lived in the Neverland. metaverse. He lived in, in a dream state. He did. Right? Is it a dream state? I don't know. That's so a good there's question. There's fascinating stuff that happened in those Disney movies. They're, really they're not all they're cracked up to be. If you watch Pinocchio, like the original Pinocchio, and they talk about how it's not about for a long time lies. Like, mm-hmm. don't tell lies. Like, that's the story we heard. Yeah. Go watch Pinocchio and report back. If you think that movie, that movie is about some serious corruption. Yeah. <laughs> There's some sick shit going on in that really? movie. Oh, yeah. Do tell. Duh, the kid's getting kidnapped and being working in this. Yeah, it's That's deep. True. And then he's got to go save his creator from the belly of the beast. Oh, yeah. Man, it's deep been so stuff. long since yeah. I've seen that movie. I don't remember. Yeah. Mm. Snow White. Yeah. Murdered. It's messed up. That old lady. I mean, geez. Yeah. Kids, don't worry about it. Don't That's, worry about yeah. it at all. <laughs> yeah. Kids, yeah, man, back in the movies when we were kids, growing up, movies we watched, people died. There was sadness. Yeah. yeah. Steven Seagal. No. <laughs> oh, dude. He got murdered, but he came back in that movie. What was that movie? That was a good one. His family got murdered while they were sleeping. So how is little Eric going to go to the, bed tonight good. thinking about I know. people are going to walk in the house? Now, granted, Steven Seagal was a wanted, like a... He's like a killer. So they got to take that guy out so they can account, right. whatever. I have to find out which one that was. But his son and his wife. That was probably all of his movies. Yeah. Or actually, the son got out. His wife got murdered. Okay. Thank God his son got out. Jeez. And then he fell in love. And so he moved on from his wife. That's... Of course. Yeah. That's how it works with Steven Seagal. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't stop a lover and a fighter like that. You just yeah. can't do it. You can't stop Seagal. He was in a coma. Steven Seagal is a musician too. Do you know that? Yeah. He's an interesting guy, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say yeah. interesting is good. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to listen to Tom Segura talk about Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. He's got this whole bit on him about, you know, <laughs> I'm not even going to try and repeat it. You should look up Tom Segura, you know, Steven Seagal. He talks about it on his podcast. He does it in a stand-up. It's just really funny the way he talks about 
<laughs> Steven Seagal's movie career. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Above the law? I don't remember. I don't really celebrate his entire body of work. Really? You know, but his music. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd go out and be like, hey, I'd tell people I'm a big Steven Seagal fan. <laughs> but my buddy Paul, I thought he was just messing with me. He said, man, I've been listening to this all day. And he shot it over to me. I thought this is a joke. And so I started playing it. And Paul's like, it's emotionally confusing because I know it's Steven Seagal, but I actually think the music is good. I'm like, the music's okay for Steven Seagal. Well, actually put it this way, for Steven Seagal, it's really good. For most musicians, it's like, it's, you know. Yeah. I mean, any jackass can make this music. Yeah. I'm not saying Steven Seagal is a jackass, but I kind of am. Okay. Just, just went there with it. Okay. Well, that's fine. you know, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. And if Steven Seagal shows up at my house, I'm going to trust that he's out of shape <laughs> yeah. and I can run away. That's the way I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, I saw a picture of it while I was looking it up. He looked a little bit out of shape, but he probably yeah, he's still been out of shape for yeah. a long time. I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> he's built up a really good story about himself. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily wait around to find out. Yeah. You know, because he is also a cop. He might be listening to this podcast right now. You know, if he is, I would absolutely love to have him on the show. Yeah. We might regret that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't Zucks roll around on the mats a little bit? He does some jujitsu. Apparently. So he could defend you. His friend. That would be interesting, you know, but I would never ask my friends to defend me. Yeah. You know, now if they were right there, I would expect him to catch my back. And knowing Zucks, he'd do mm. it. By the way, yeah. the movie is hard to kill. Oh, there you go. That's like the theme of Steven Seagal's mythology. Yeah. Kelly LeBrock, that became oh, his new wife. Oh, yeah. Yes. Perfect. What year do you think that came out? Oh, I would say 89. That's so close. 90. I would have said eight, late 80s too. Yeah. 1990. It's 95 minutes of just... A pure Seagal. <laughs> yeah. A Seagal kicking ass yeah. and, and breaking hearts. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. Kicks ass and breaks hearts. Mm. Yeah. I want a poster of him. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, if we keep doing more filming, we're going to get... <laughs> we need to have posters. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Hey, but let's talk about something that's really good. I know, James. You know yeah. what I'm going to talk about. Go for it. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Bar. You know, of course, people are like, oh, yeah. No, man. I'm just telling you, like... I'm very biased about Baker Mayfield. I'm glad Carolina released him because Carolina, they didn't have the depth to deal with his talent. They didn't. I'm sorry. Carolina sucks. The Panthers fucking suck. Is it his talent or is it like, there's this moment, regardless of what happens from here. This is evergreen content, by the way. Yeah, it's great. So good. He has to be cut. Yeah. Signs with the Rams, other end of the country. Yeah. Assuming he's flying from Charlotte to LA. Mm -hmm. They have a game on Thursday night. He dresses, doesn't start. Yeah. It comes in. They're losing. I saw the score of the game, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. Thursday night football's been really bad. Yeah. And then I wake up the next day, and I see that they won, and all these stuff about Baker, and to go to a so new good. team so good. across the country on Thursday night football. He looked like Baker yards. Mayfield, the rookie, and his first, you know, in 2020. I'm happy, happy for Baker. I'm really happy for you, though. This is like a big moment. Yeah. This is like one of your biggest sporting moments because of all time. you were the one that broke the news to me. This is like, hey, Baker's getting, you know, cut. Yeah. And then I called you. I was like, what? You know, and didn't, we didn't know all the details yet. Didn't know that he had asked for that. Right. And you're like, yeah, man, I just don't care. Baker sucks. He's done. I just don't care. And I was like, wow, you're wrong. You're wrong, man. <laughs> you know, and then we moved on to something else. Yeah. No, you stayed there for a while. I did. I don't know if I said he was done. I had to work through it. Decide to and I appreciate you letting me yeah. work through it with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was also in the car for well, that was four a big hours. moment for you. It was. Well, because it's like, look, man, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I'm a Browns fan. So when he left, that was hard. But I'm still a fan of his and I want him to win. I think it's because he's an underdog. He's a fighter. If he's in the right environment, and this goes with every 
anybody who's talented, if they have the right people around them to develop that, you can succeed. He just hasn't had that. He's had no consistency at yeah. all. Now, does that mean it's everybody else's fault? No, of course not. He certainly is responsible for a lot of it. But I tend to ignore all that and just focus on uh, how he just needed to get in the right spot. And apparently yeah. this guy, Sean McVeigh, who seems to have the same personality, I think these two are going to be, they're going to be tight. Yeah. But man, that game was incredible. Watching that thing, you know, because I just wanted to see him. I was like, great. I get to, you know, see how he does. Because I'm like, let me see how he does. Yeah. That's a tough spot. And, you know, the Rams are a shitty team. You know, I mean, at least their record. Yeah. And uh, the offensive line was like, I don't know, it's like their second string because all their big names like Cooper Cup, he wasn't playing. Yeah. He was missing the superstars. Yeah. They fucking won. Like, if you, you let Baker throw the ball, he's going to do well. Mm. You got to have receivers that can catch the ball, unlike Carolina. Last game Baker played in for Carolina, he threw the ball multiple times. These fuckers, they hit them right in the hands and they dropped it. Yeah. I'm not bitter. I'm just like, like you guys didn't deserve Baker. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, fingers crossed he doesn't fuck it up in the next game. Yeah. Yeah. We don't worry about that. He had a big moment. That moment. That was amazing. That's sports though. Yeah. Sports as you play and you have these moments and you know what? You can just enjoy that. Yeah. You can have that. He had nothing to lose. Yeah. Everybody thought he was done. All right. Baker's just done. You know, he was all hype. He's mm-hmm. done. Right. And then he comes back and he does that. Stay in the game. Like that's it. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's a nice strategic move to say. I got to get out of here. Yep. I mean, you can't imagine that. And he didn't have a great game, but he came back. And that's football. That's the NFL, sure. especially. Yeah. Tom Brady used to do this all the time. Play a shitty game. Mm-hmm. You know what he would do? He'd win the game at the end. Yeah. It's like, none of that stuff matters. People get very upset. Like, they don't do well, but then they won the game. It's right. at the end of the day. Did you win or did you lose? And that's all that Kinda matters. comfortable yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. These chairs are tough. I mean, we're pushing hour eight, so. Oh, yeah. This oh, is yeah. good. Yeah. My ears hurt. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Ears don't. Not at all. Yeah. These They're small numb. little ears. Because these little tiny ears. <laughs> yeah. They feel fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. That anyway, good. Happy for that. If we had recorded on Friday, I probably would have spent way more time on yeah. it. Yeah. But we get to watch them on national TV again. Mm. They're playing um, Monday nah. Night Football. Oh, wow. Yeah. Against the Packers. Okay. Yeah. In the cold? I don't think it's this coming Monday. Is it? I don't know. No, not cares? tonight. They can't play tonight. No, 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 not they, tonight. I think they had 11 weeks. They should just do that. Like, you're going to play Thursday, you're going to play Monday, and then... <laughs> no, I think he's got 11 days off, so it's next yeah. Monday. Yeah. Yeah, this would be fun. Mm. If he goes out there and shits the bed, I'll be like, okay. Well, that's all right. You know, I'll find some other reason why Up it wasn't down. his fault. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? You're an apologist. Ride or die. Yeah. <laughs> all the way. That's good. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover today? I don't. I'm like, I'm good. Unless there's something you want to talk about. Man, I don't know. Yeah. Nope, nothing I can think of. No, that's all right. I mean, I got things, but I think we save it for the next one. I think we do. You know what I'm saying? Let's do that. This is the first one. Do you like this room better or do you like the other room better? Or are you not sure yet? If I get to spend time with you, it mm, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. What the room is. It could be in a dungeon. Yeah. It could be an escape room. I don't like those. I thought about that this morning. Have you done them? I don't want to. Yeah. I want nothing to do with it. It depends on who you're with. I don't want to do it. Get me out of here right now. Yeah. I want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> My your escape room. Yeah. Why do we have to go there? I only heard if someone went to an escape room recently, so I popped in my head. Do they love it? I think so. Okay. I, don't know. I heard it secondhand. Do you like this person? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to understand why you don't like escape rooms. Because it just seems like, you, what if I just want to leave the room? I just want to get out. Yeah, then you got to work for it. You got to do the work. That's not good. I want out. I don't want to do that. If you're in an escape room and you want to get out, yeah. you got to do yeah, the work. I don't want to do that. You can't just like stand there and go. No, I don't want to go at all in the escape room. I don't want to start. But think of the life lessons you learn. <laughs> like, Teamwork, 
observational skills. We could do that. We could go like play basketball. They'd be good. I don't know that what I would be doing in that. And you pick a sport. Let's go cycling. Team sport? Because you could like do drafts. Cycling's a team sport. That's what they say. It's bullshit. It's true. Yeah. I guess we could save that for, yeah, the, that's for another, another one. Education was, well, we're going to tap that one for the next one. Right, let's tap we're it. We're tapping the next one. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a, like an episode. I'm going to stop talking. Yeah, you should. Let's save that for the next right. one. I love you. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.